السلام so, إن شاء الله we welcome our esteemed scholar with الصلوات على محمد وآل محمد Salam alaikum rahmatullah. Before I start, I request all to recite. Fatiha for all marhumin, marhumin of those who are present, those who have rights upon us, and in particular for the late Haj Ramiz Saad. Rahimallah man yaqra'u al-Fatiha ma as-salawah. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله الذي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في العربين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه وأنصاره السلام عليك يا فاطمة يا بنت رسول الله ويا زوجة أمير المؤمنين ويا أم الحسن والحسين ورحمة الله وبركاته I pray that uh, our gathering tonight would be a gathering that would be pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and would show our love and respect for the daughter of the Prophet who has a special position with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the messenger of Allah, and has great rights over us. So I hope, inshallah, this majlis would be pleasing to Allah and Our Lady, and inshallah, we all benefit from these moments that we are together and add to our understanding and our love, inshallah, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his friends. 
There is a beautiful hadith from Lady Fatima Tuzaha and I want to make this hadith the main point for my talk tonight and tomorrow, inshallah. According to different books, Lady Fatima is quoted as saying, Man as'ada ilallah khalisa ibadatihi ahbaballah or in some versions ahbaballahu ilayhi afwala maslahatihi man as'ada ilallah khalisa ibadatihi ahbaballahu ilayhi afwala it's a very beautiful hadith and helps us with everything we need in dunya and akhirah. <coughs> we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says ما خلقت الجن والإنس إلا ليعبدون ما أريد منهم من رزق وما أريد أن يطعمون I have not created jinns or nor human beings except to worship me or to serve me but in order to make it clear that it's not because he needs our worship or service and he's going to benefit, he immediately says, I don't want them to feed me or provide me with sustenance. He is the one who provides everyone with sustenance and he is powerful. So by creating us, not only we are not going to give him sustenance or help, we are actually going to rely on him and receive sustenance. So it's like, for example, a person invites people and then feeds them. Then someone says he wanted them to feed him. He says, I have invited them to feed them, but they feed me. We are not going to do anything good or beneficial for him. It's actually logically impossible that a creature would give anything to its creator because the creature has everything from the creator. So how then the creature has something extra that the creator doesn't have and then is going to receive from his own creature? It's impossible. Not only we cannot give anything to him, even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not be giving anything to himself. Because again, if he wants to give something to himself, it means that he doesn't have it in the first place. So if he doesn't have it, so how are you going to give to himself? So whatever Allah has, he has it eternally and necessarily. This is what our philosophers say. 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from every aspect is necessary. He doesn't need anything to be added to him and he is not also in danger of losing anything. Whatever he has, he has it from the beginning up to the end. No addition and no omission. So, we are not able to do anything for him. Just it's Allah's favor to us to give us opportunities <coughs> to come to the world of existence and in addition to be given the capacity of being free to choose for ourselves what type of life we want to have so that we can build such a life that even can be above life of angels. Or if God forbids we are not taking care of ourselves and let everything in hands of shaitan and our nafsa amara, we may go lower than animals. So, it's a matter of choosing between the two. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to give us opportunity of becoming godly and going above the level of angels and being the closest creatures to Him, has created us. And He says, if you want this, serve me, listen to me. Allah أَعْهَدْ إِلَيْكُمْ يَا بَنِي آدَمَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُ الشَّيْطَانِ إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينٌ وَأَنَا عَبُدُونِي هَذَا صِرَاطٌ مُسْتَقِيمٌ This is very easy and clear thing to understand. Might be difficult to practice, but it's easy to understand. Everything is summarized in one sentence. Just obey Allah and not obey shaitan. The whole life is a matter of how much we obey God, how much we obey shaitan. The difference between us and Ahlul Bayt, the difference between us and Awliyaullah, between us and Muttadeen is all in how much we obey God or how much we obey shaitan. If we obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's the right path. If we don't obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever name you give to it, we are obeying shaitan. Who is shaitan? What is wrong with shaitan? Some people may say shaitan is an enemy of God. But Quran says if you want to be more precise, shaitan is an enemy of, is an enemy of you, not an enemy of me. Who is shaitan to fight God? Shaitan is weaker than fighting God. When it was shaitan and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was just worshipping God. The problem started with us. Shaitan is an enemy of us. So are you going to listen to your creator or you are going to listen to your enemy? 
If you look at it carefully, I think it's very, you know, childish or very, I don't know, irrational, I don't want to use rude words, that we follow shaitan. Instead of following Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we follow shaitan, who is our clear enemy. We sometimes wonder why Adam made that mistake. But we see our situation is not better than Adam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Adam, Uskun anta wa zawjukan jannah. You and your wife go and settle in heaven. But right away Allah warned him, be careful about shaitan. In Surah Taha, Allah says that La yukhrajannakuma minal jannah Do not let this shaitan deceive you and send you out of this heaven. And if you go out of this heaven fatashqa, you will suffer. Dunya cannot be free from suffering. If you don't want to suffer, you have to go back to heaven, inshallah. Then <laughs> you will not suffer. But dunya is a place of suffering. Allah told Adam that if you go out, atashpa, you are going to suffer. So Adam didn't listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, listen to shaitan, although Allah had warned him. But at least Adam has the excuse that he had no experience. According to some scholars, Adam never thought that someone can come and tell lies. He was so innocent and so pure, could not imagine someone saying a lie, especially by swearing. Means he said, Wallahi, I wish you good only. Then Adam said, how can someone say Wallahi and then, you know, be lying? He was so innocent and so, you know, unexperienced and could not believe in this. Although Allah had warned him, but still he didn't think that this is going to happen. But what excuse we have after what Shaitan has done to all people? From the time of Adam up to now, after seeing what Shaitan is already doing to people of our generation or has done to us in our own life, we have no excuse. So, we have to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who wants only good for us. Even he doesn't want something for himself, he wants for us. But anyone else, anyone who is not with God, if they want something, they want for themselves. Unless they are people of God, that they want you for yourself. Like Amir al-Mu'mini said to people, I don't want you for myself. I want you for God. I want you for yourself, not for myself. There is no selfish interest. But other people normally have selfish interests. If your friends are 
good friends, our mu'min, our believers, they are with you in the days of difficulties and the days of joy. If you have bad friends, only when you are in good condition they want you. When you have money, they say, let's go. When you don't have money, you will stay, we go. If you are ill and they are supposed to go, for example, to I don't know, to a park or someplace. If you are ill, they say, sorry, we have to go. They're not going to spend time with you unless they are true friends. The friends that their friendship is based on sincerity and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these friends are the only friends that remain friends. All friends become enemies. Because they were enemies in reality, because they wasted each other's life and time. They only wanted to gain out of each other's life, except muttaqin. Their friendship was real and remains and endures, even dunya and barza, till the day of judgment. So, we have to Listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be with the people that are following Allah's will because they don't want anything selfish from us. They don't want anything for their own benefit. But the problem is, even if we become a mu'min, even if we become believers, I'm not talking about the people who have no life of faith. Even believers, even mu'minin, even sometimes ulama, leaders, elders, teachers, reciters, who have chosen obviously a life of faith, is still it's very difficult to remain always sincere, and pure in your intention. So, in a general way, you can say we have chosen God over shaitan, we have given our life to God, you see, we pray, we fast, we go to Hajj, we go for Ziyarah, we try to avoid Haram, it looks nice, but when you go deeper and you examine your intentions, you would find it's not as easy as you thought. Grand Ayatollah Guru Jandi before his death was visited by many scholars who were normally his own students. He had many mujtahids among his students. Many people who later became marajah, they used to attend his lectures. So, he was very concerned how is going to be his condition when he's meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A big question for all of us. What will be my condition when I'm going to be present before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? 
if you are going to be present before a very experienced, insightful, clever judge who has also a team of investigators that have collected all the information about you. How are you going to feel if you know you have committed some crimes? You feel terrible. Because you know nothing is going to be hidden. And now imagine if you are going to be present before Allah subhanahu Not only he has all the information about us, when we are present before him, then our own body starts talking against us. Your eyes will be talking, your tongue will be talking, your hands will be talking, your skin will be talking. We have no choice. We have to be honest. We have to say what you have done. So, for a moment, this is a great concern. How would be my condition when I am present before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Ayatollah Burujati was concerned. So these ulama who were sitting there, they started mentioning his services. They said, you shouldn't be worried, you are, mashallah, such a great leader for the Shia community all over the world. Based on your fatwas, they pray, they fast, they go to Hajj. Everything is based on your fatwa. You have a role in every person's action. You know, we have to be very grateful to our marada because in every single thing that we do, even if you don't take Rasala, but the validity of your action is based on your action corresponding to the fatwa. I think that's to correspond to what is in the knowledge of Allah, which you don't know, or has to correspond to the fatwa of magic. So they have a role, they have a contribution in everything that we do. You see how much sawab they get and how much we have to be grateful to them. So some said you are, mashallah, universal manager of the Shia. Some said, mashallah, you have trained hundreds of scholars, tens of mujtahids. Some said you have published many books which were neglected, great treasures, or you have ordered new books to be published. You have made Masjid Azam. You have made Masjid Imam Ali in Hamburg. Ayatollah Burujati more than 50 years ago. And you know, I was told that or maybe I read that when in Hamburg some Iranian tradesmen and business people they wanted to make a masjid there first they found a slot and they mentioned to Ayatollah Burujerdi that he wanted to make a masjid he said 
this location is not good. You have to find a prime location if you want to make a master of Imam Ali. You have to find a prime location. So they found this slot that is one of the best places in Hamburg. If you haven't gone, you know. Opposite the river. Very prime location. Then they sent the maps to him. And there was a very famous architect in Tehran, Lord Zadeh, the late Lord Zadeh, who made a masjid in Tehran, who made Masjid Azam. Rasulullah asked him to see the map and give idea. It's now maybe 60 years ago. He had such a vision. He made hospitals, schools, whatever. So they kept mentioning his services. But he said, you tell me about what I have done, but my concern is how I have done that. You must purify your action because the one who is going to investigate them is not one of you. He is basir. Naqid in Arabic is originally for examining coins. You know, sometimes they make fake coins. You know, they used to have dirham, dinar, golden, or silver coin, and they were also fake ones. So naqdud dirham means to examine whether it is genuine or it's fake. So hadith says your actions are going to be examined not by people not even like for example investigators in dunya who are well trained no by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is basir Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only knows what you do with your body, He knows what's going on in your mind and heart. Even He knows better than you what is going on in your heart. Even He can be standing between you and your heart. Can you imagine? You have a place which is your safe. Everything confidential, secret is there, that's your heart. But Allah lets you to get access to your heart. Because He stands between you and the heart. So how you are going to hide anything from Him? So, Ayatollah Burjim said, I am not going to stop worrying by counting my actions. Because So, if such a great scholar has this worry, then why you are not worried? And he is such a person 
that when he wanted to go to Mashhad, and you know, obviously, he was going by driving by car, by bus. Plane was not an option at that time. So he was told that because you are Maja, we have to arrange a special welcome for you in every city that you are going to go through, from home to Mashhad. Because people follow you and they want to show they respect you, and also we have to act in the way that it would add to your dignity and respect. But he said something very important. He said, I have never done anything to become manager. I didn't do anything to become manager. So I am not used to these things. I don't want these things. If people want to do something, let them do. I don't need you to plan for me how people are going to respect me. Or you know, for example, Imam Khomeini was never giving permission to use Sahme Imam to publish his Rasala. If my Mukhaladin want my Rasala, they have to pay for it. I'm not going to keep them from Sahme Imam. Or if someone is going to donate, that's fine, but not from Sahme Imam. So, those who have greater knowledge, they are very serious about this and very careful. We have many, many hadiths about this. I thought maybe I share with you some hadiths and inshallah then go back to the hadith of lady to explain it further. Imam Hassan alayhi salam He says Man abadallah abadallahu lahu kull shay Whoever really sincerely worships Allah if you can prove to Allah that you are a sincere servant, then Allah makes everything at his or her service. So why in our worships we don't get anywhere? Why not every creature listens to us, even People around us don't listen to us because we are not worshipping Allah sincerely. Man abadallah abadallahu lahu kulla shayin. 
If you are at the service of the Lord of this world, then the whole world would be at your service. This is the law. If you are close to the Lord, then everything feels that they have to support you. And on the other hand, if na'uzu billah, we disobey Allah and declare war against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything will become against us. Everyone would have satanic reasons to create troubles for us. Imam Hussein alayhi salam also is quoted as saying, Man abadallaha haqqa ibadatihi Whoever worships or serves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that Allah deserves. So as I said, it's not a matter of doing ibadah, it's a matter of how you do ibadah. If you do ibadah in the way that it deserves, for sure part of it is to be sincere. Part of it is that ibadah should be done with heart. Not just a kind of, you know, lip service, a kind of, you know, uh, superficial thing. If you are talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it should be with your heart. You know, imagine if you are talking to someone and that person knows that you are thinking about something else. He feels insulted. Are you talking to me and thinking about something else? Are you asking me but you are at the same time cheating? You tell me give me rest and then you are cheating in your shop? This is your ibad and this is your dua. Ibadah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Imam Hussein alayhi salam says Man abadallaha haqqa ibadatahi Atahullahu fawqa amanihe wa kifayatahi Allah would give you better than your expectations and more than what you need Allah will satisfy. You know, if if you have a kind and generous father, just you know, let us use this example. You have a real need. Okay? Suppose it's a real need. Not that you know you want to be extravagant or you want to be doing israf. Suppose you have real need. Okay? For example, for your study you need money. For your marriage you need money, for example. You have real need. And your father is rich and generous and loves you. Can you think that he may reject to give you what you need? He is your father, he loves you, he is generous, he has money, and you have genuine need. 
It's impossible that he would say no. So why we are confident that people who are kind would not let us down, but when we go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are not confident. If you take your genuine needs to him, something which is your maslaha, not you say to Allah, you know, please give me something that would, you know, damage my iman. Let me marry someone that is not suitable for me. No, if it is your genuine need and your maslaha, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is also generous and rich and kind, is listening to your dua, is there any chance that he would say, no, it's impossible. Imam Hussain says, Allah will give you more than your wishes and more than what would be sufficient for you. He is Zulfan He doesn't, doesn't just give you what you need. You know, if I need one bread and Allah gives me one bread, then we cannot say Allah is Zulfan Al-Alim. We cannot say He is Jawadun Karim. If you need one bread and you really need it and you say, I want one bread, Allah will give you more bread and for you and for other people that you may see they need also take. Also for tomorrow, I give you. Because he is generous. Our hadith says, when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something, or you must think that your request is ready, it's just next to door, waiting for you. So, if we worship Allah, we serve Allah, Hakka ibadatihi, Atahullahu, Fawqa, Amanihi, Wa Chifayati. So, if we have problems, it's one of the two. This is a very important point. Sometimes you have haja and for many months or years you ask, you don't get it. And you wonder why Allah is not giving you. Sometimes even you start doubting. Maybe Allah doesn't care about me. Maybe Allah is not as Generous as I thought. So shaitan comes, you know, to use any opportunity to weaken our iman. If you have heard and you have been asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you are a sincere servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you must be sure that Either this is not your maslaha at all, or this time is not the time that it is your maslaha to be given. Otherwise, Allah would be more than happy to give you what you want if it is your maslaha to be given. But 
if he finds that it is not your maslahat to give you right now, he would give you in future. If he would not give you in future in dunya, he would give you much better in akhirah. Therefore, hadith says, those whose du'as were not answered in dunya, when they see what Allah has given them in akhirah, they wish none of their du'as were accepted. Because they see they have lost. They ask something worldly, and they were given something worldly. But for those things that they ask worldly, Allah has given them something in akhirah. It's much better. So they wish none of their du'as were answered. So, let's go back to the hadith of Lady Fatima. Inshallah, we continue this discussion tomorrow. Man as'ada illallah khalisa ibadatahi. The one who manages to send high his pure or her pure ibadah. Because our good actions rise. Good actions rise and can also take you with them. Bad actions will be dropped. So if you manage to do something sincere, something pure, it will go higher and and it can finally reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you imagine? You, with such a low position that we, are, we have, you can do something sincere that then reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the power of intention, power of khulus. You cannot reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but your dua can reach Him. So you say to your dua, you know, please take part of me with you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My salat, please take me to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, with one salat, you cannot go very high, but if you keep doing this, as salatu mi'rajul mu'min, every day, maybe one step. One step you can go. But man as'ada ilallah khalisa ibadati. If you keep saying your sincere ibadat to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then do you think Allah will leave it without answer, without return, without reward? Impossible. Allah is very grateful. Shakur, not only Shakur, he's also Shakur, he's very grateful. You cannot do anything for him unless he would show his gratitude. One of the things that Allah will do for you, one of the things, not everything, because he would have great reward for you in Akhirah, but one of the things that he would do for you in dunya is Ahabakallahu ilayhi afwala maslahat. 
then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would send down to you the best of your interest. Not exactly what you want. Because we don't know what we should want. If you say to children who are two years old, you have one dua which will be answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do you want? 90% want chocolate. And the other 10% maybe want, for example, a juice drink. If you ask a teenager, what do you want from Allah? You have one dua. I think 90% want something. <laughs> so, <laughs> we are not aware of what is our maslaha. And what actually is available? We don't know what Allah has. There are things that Allah has that has not occurred to your mind and heart. لا تعلم نفس ما أخفي لهم من قرة عين. So Allah says, I will send down to you not. What you desire, which may not be exactly the best thing for you, I send down the best masla for you. Ahbabullahu ilai afwala maslahati. You do the best you can do. This is amazing. You do the best you can do, then Allah do the best He can for you. The best that you can do is very little. But the best that He can do would change your life. Even if once He, he does this with you, changes your life. If in one dua you manage to get connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in one salah you manage to get connected to Allah, in one kindness to your parents, you manage to get connected to Allah. In feeding one hungry person, you manage to get connected. He changes your life forever. This is a very good deal. You just do the best you can. And he would send the best that he has for you. This is what Lady Zahra is saying. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to serve him with understanding and maximum love. I would like to just read a poem, a very short, and then inshallah we listen to it. 